Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, welcome to BT Sports' new podcast, Life's a Pitch. My name's Mike Calvin, and I'm joined by Tony Evans and Adrian Clark. It's a packed show with many questions to consider. Can Leicester actually do it? Have Spurs and Arsenal blown it? How about Man United and Liverpool? Their seasons are on the line in the Europa League. Who's going down? Can West Ham win the FA Cup? And what about Chelsea? Can they survive in the Champions League? First things first, though, Leicester. Adrian, pressure? What pressure? <laughs> well, they're coping so, so well, aren't they? Uh, Claudio Ranieri, I think, deserves massive credit for just keeping everybody calm inside that dressing room. And they are sticking to their philosophy. They're not changing things up. I think they know that they have something that works there in terms of their shape. Every player knows their job inside out. And they are just executing the same game plan week in, week out. And nobody seems able to stop them. I am so, so impressed by their play, but also by their, by their temperament, which, which we, all thought, we all thought they would crumble, didn't we? But they've, they've seen off the best sides already. Yeah. But to be fair, no-one's putting them under any pressure. Why should they care? No one's no one's mm. catching them up. No one's you know people are losing games. I mean, last week they draw, and they you know three teams behind them are playing the next night, and they all lose. Mm. You know, <laughs> if you're Leicester, it's it's just perfect. What about Ranieri? You know, is he basically perpetrating a great contrick on us all? You know, he, he loves the sort of clownishness and the, you know the sort of the bumbling granddad, but actually <laughs> he's one heck of a coach and he's got a hell of a background. Oh, without a doubt. You know, there's a core of steel. You know, under, under the surface with Ranieri. And at the beginning of the season, the players got together and they said, don't change so much. I think they were a bit scared by the old Tinkerman reputation. But you know what? If he does tinker, what he does is he tinkers during games and he just makes subtle changes which can nullify the opposition. Look, and two changes at half-time at Watford, for instance. Well, exactly. And, and you know, and he's very, very clever. In Italy, the coaches there are really... Uh, they're more obsessed with making changes during a game and they really glory in it and they boast about it afterwards. <laughs> and he comes from that tradition. And, uh, and, and, and he's got Leicester set up in the best way for that squad. But also, he can adapt. So they're not huge changes, but little things, and they're making the difference. Yeah, little, little, just little touches, aren't they? They're, they're, they're always a similar type of change. If Plan A isn't working with Okazaki, for example, as Joa comes mm. in and mixes things up, he's got options in the wide areas too. You've got King, who's a good backup for Conte or Drinkwater. It's just all fitting into place, mm. and it proves you do not need a massive squad to compete in the Premier League. Uh, well, especially if you've got players like Mares, for instance, you know, <laughs> Player of the Year candidate, yeah. you know, by all 
consent, basically. Yeah. Barcelona meant to be interested in it. When you've got that sort of speculation going on, something special is happening, isn't it? Definitely. They've got the teamwork. They've got the framework. Mm. They've also got real match winners. We know all about Vardy, but Mahrez, I mean, what a, what a talent he is. You wouldn't want to mark him, that's for sure. If you're a defender, do you go inside with him? Do you show him down the line? Do you, do you, do you show him inside? There is no safe place with Riyad Mahrez when he's got the ball because he can score good goals and he can also pop up inside the back box for a tap-in and he makes them too. I mean, he's cast. Let's look at forward a little bit. Last game of the season, Leicester are at Chelsea. <laughs> How about Ranieri winning the title at Stamford Bridge? Well, yeah, he was the first man sacked by Roman Abramovich when he bought the club. And then later on, Jose Mourinho scoffed at him and said he didn't have a winning mentality. Imagine him picking up that trophy there at the bridge. And I'll tell you what, there'd be quite a few Chelsea players who'd want uh, as <laughs> to thrust Mourinho's words down the Portuguese's throat. Yeah. Well, imagine that guard of honour from, from Chelsea for Ranieri and his team at Stamford oh, Bridge. The beast gnashing the teeth up there in the owner's box. <laughs> Talking of gnashing your teeth, Spurs and Arsenal, uh, we were both there, Tony, weren't mm. we? I know you were doing the commentary on it, yeah. Adrian. Great game, yeah. wrong result for both teams, wasn't it? It wasn't great for, for either side in the end. I think Arsenal were happier by the, by the time the final whistle blew because they showed character, spirit. But from a Spurs perspective, I think they had a really good 10 minutes. Uh, but the rest of the game, I thought Arsenal coached pretty well with what they had. They looked a bit tired to me. I, I thought they were labouring a touch and they didn't have that many answers with, with Arsenal shutting off that space in front of the back four really well with Coquelin and Elneny. It nullified a lot of the Spurs' threat, but I suppose you've got to also give them credit when Arsenal were weak and when they were rattled mm. by that red card, they took full advantage and, and Harry Kane, I mean, wow, what a goal. Fantastic, yeah. wasn't it? But what about this whole idea of burnout, the burnout factor? Um, and we spoke to Pochettino mm. afterwards and he was talking about how crazy it was. I think unbelievable was his phrase. Someone like Deli Alley, 43 games this season, he's carrying two separate injuries. That tells you what the problems are. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, didn't you see it coming, Mauricio? You know, didn't you have a look at the fixture list and go, Yo, yo what does he think he was going to do? Get them all arrested this time of year. <laughs> you know, the fact is... He's, he's, his training methods are really rigorous. He had them doing two-a-day sessions, you know, up until early February. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's teams traditionally have dropped off towards the end of the season. And to me, it, it, you've got to start nursing people after Christmas, nursing them along, and let the momentum of the games keep the fitness up. Mm. You know, I mean, everyone has loved Tottenham's press and their, their approach, but, you know, they just look tired men mentally and physically a, uh, last week against West Ham and against us. Very real danger of burnout. Because, yeah. look, as a player, I remember it. It's a long time ago for me now, unfortunately. <laughs> but I do remember the double sessions, and, and, it, and it is hard because you have a little break, you go back out, and it's actually you can pick up niggles and injuries by having mm. the break and starting again. So it's always a little bit risky. I think it works till about November time, and then when the games are coming thick and fast from, from December onwards, you do not need yeah, double yeah. set. You just don't need them. And I think it could end up catching up with Spurs in this run-in. Um, the signs are there. They weren't very good at West Ham. I think Arsenal 11 v 11 would have beaten them. So And they've got some tricky fixtures. So I, 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 I can see Spurs tailing off now. Mm, you've got the Europa League, haven't you? Now, actually, that's a competition which has come into its own. You know, We'll talk about Man United and Liverpool later. Spurs have got a great tie against Dortmund, but do they need it? Oh, they could do without it. You know, if they're going to win the title, then they could probably live without this. I mean, you know, it's going to be two difficult games, you know, against a, a good Dortmund side. Mm. And, um, Did you know, well against Bayern at the weekend, didn't they, 0-0? Yeah, and, you know, Pochettino hasn't got that big a squad. 
he's going to have to try and mix and match it and get them through. I mean, against Fiorentina, he plays with a false nine because uh, Harry Kane was out. You know, they may go the same way again. But, you know, there's a Champions League. Well, they'll be in the Champions League anyway. But, you know, it's um, Tottenham's chances of winning things are narrowing down well, very quickly. They are, but I think it's a great... It's what you're in football for, for these kind of games. It'd be a, cra oh, it'd be a great, be a great experience. I know that they're, I know they're tired. I know they've had a lot of games. But to play at Borussia Dortmund over two legs, if they compete, if they do well, it could give them a little little bit of a jolt ahead of the run and it could reinvigorate them to some extent because it's like, hang on, we've just beaten Borussia Dortmund. That's a, they're a class side. We can go on and win this Premier League. I, yeah, best grounds in the world there, the atmosphere. Oh, yeah, yeah, great tie. What about the defence? I know it's very unfashionable talk, to talk about defenders, but you know if you look at what's over, Leicester, for instance, you know, someone like Wes Morgan has been fantastic for them, played non-stop for about two years. <laughs> what about Tottenham? How much are they missing the Tongan? I think they've missed him a little bit, but Vimmer has come in and looked excellent, I think, uh, alongside Alderweireld, who I, I do believe has been the Premier League's best defender this mm. season. I think he's been just tremendous, really. Uh, hardly put a foot wrong. Um, the centre-backs have a very important role at Tottenham, actually. They are mm. crucial because the full-backs, as we know, yeah. love to fly forward. And I actually felt that Arsenal exposed a slight flaw in Tottenham's defence at the weekend with Danny Welbeck spinning into the, into the yeah. channels down the sides. If you've got a quickie like that, it can really hurt teams when the full-backs are, are bombing on. So between now and the end of the season, Vimmer and um, Alderweireld have, have got a real big job on their hands. Vimmer was asleep on, um, on the, on the equaliser. Yes. He just he just give he, st he didn't hold the line, and he was just give give Sanchez a little cushion to run into. See what happened on there. If you look at Barcelona, the uh, the chance they had, I think Suarez against Arsenal, it's manipulating the new offside rules, and more and more strikers are doing this as teams push out. The strikers are staying in an offside position and then as the ball gets recycled, because they're not active, they can't be flagged, mm. they're the wrong side and that was oh, what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, Alexis yeah. got the wrong side of Vimmer and he punished him. So that, I think, is a, is a little nuance that, that coaches, uh, uh, they're learning mm. as they go along with this new rule. And it's, Watch out for that moving forwards because I think defences need to wise up to yeah, it. Yeah, you, you mentioned Welbeck. I thought he was a really good advert for someone coming in late in the season, rested, urgent. Yeah, Loads of pace. Every time Arsenal knocked the ball long, which is most un-Arsenal-like, un mm. you know, he was running, he was stretching the back four, he was running the channels, and it was fantastic. You know, I thought um, he just made a huge difference and gave Arsenal that, hit them on the break, potency. Arsenal oh, has got a lot of uh, stick for, for various tactical um, stubbornness, mm. I guess, but in, in this situation, I think it was perfect because he knew it wasn't a game for tippy-tappy football. Mm. He knew that we would need to be solid in front of the back four, so he picked El Nini and Coquelin, and then we need to spring fast transitions. And, and it was perfect to have those two sit and Welbeck looking to stretch it. It, ju it just worked perfectly against Spurs. And I, I think Arsenal might have found themselves a formula that will stand them in good stead for those tricky away games at West Ham, at Everton and at Man City. I see that axis of Elneny and Coquelin mm. and Welbeck maybe playing in all those games. And I'll tell you what, when they, when they brought Giroud on with a quarter of an hour to go, he really disrupted uh, Tottenham. He sat a little bit deeper in that midfield and, and caused havoc. Don't get used to it. He never, he'll never <laughs> pick two strikers too often. <laughs> what about the FA Cup in the context of their season? You know, They're playing at Hull in the replay that probably neither team really wanted. Well, they didn't want the replay, but Arsenal want to win the FA Cup. They want to make history. They want to win it three times in a row. It, it's not ideal, but, but they've got a great chance. You would fancy them. 
against Hull. And you fancy them at home to a Watford side that are stuttering? Well, it is, it is the, um, the the madness of modern football. Hull play a weakened team at home <laughs> yeah. because they've got the eye on the Premier League and next year's television deal. Oh, yeah. FA Cup, well, you know, the giant, giant killers are lying down saying, go on, Giants, you can have it. Mm. It's weird. It is a strange, yeah. it's a strange phenomenon, but I guess you under, you can understand it. And, and, and it will work for Steve Bruce because his, his kids, well, he played 116-year-old, didn't he? They, mm. they held their own against Arsenal. So it's not a gimme. It won't happen twice. It, it, yeah, that's my thought. Yeah, um, you know, if you look at Manchester City, you know, they, they made their feelings really clear, didn't they? What about the Champions League for them? Is that the only show in town for them? Can they actually do anything and win a Premier League title again? I can't see it. I mean, you know, they're just they're just too far back. They've got a game in hands, but you know, they're they're just. Uh, and the, and the thing is, I've never seen a side with, with such good players switch off as often as they do when games aren't won, and the midfield goes walkabout. You know, they, they leave gaping gaps there, and it's it, you know, they just don't look like a team that will win the title. You can't write City off because they've got Aguero. Yeah, but he could, they, he could, he could get you ten goals could, in five games. Of course, he could. They could go on this amazing winning streak, but they would be the worst champions in memory because they've got a dysfunctional midfield it, it, it hasn't worked all season and at the back they've got ageing fullbacks who aren't playing well haven't played well really and a centre back combination that's very questionable so if they won the league they would well they'd have to weigh Sergio Aguero with a massive new contract just to say thank you very <laughs> yeah, much I'd, I'd tell you I think football would cry yeah. you know if um, if Yaya Torre won a winner's medal this year and Leicester didn't get anything it'd just be, it'd be terrible it would kill what has been a beautiful season if Manchester City won it because they're the least deserving yeah and that defence is like watching people juggle nitroglycerine isn't it? you never know what's when it's going to go bang is that Pep's priority when he comes in next season he's got to sort that out no I think his priority is the midfield I mean you know games are won and lost in midfield you know defenders you know, as you know, as we've seen from Leicester, they're the the cheapest and easiest players to get, and you just need to organise them. Yeah. Not many people are organising them very well, to be <laughs> fair. He's still got company. He's got more miles in his, on his yeah. legs than a 29-year-old <laughs> should have. But he, he's a great he's a great organiser and a, a great um, leading presence there. He's a manager in the making. Isn't he, he is definitely. Oh yeah. But but you know that midfield. That, that where the huge holes there, that's where he needs to fill. He needs to get oh, someone in. Who can... There'd be a massive cull. It has to be a yeah. cull. I would say four of that of the current starting eleven would survive. Yeah, yeah. Top midfield for sure. He needs more players. He needs full backs that can get up and mm. down. Mm. Uh, that's the trademark of his team. And he, he needs to take the weight off of uh, Sergio Aguero. So, that, look, yeah. But I can see actually an entire new midfield at City yeah. next year. Yeah, with Dr. And in that defence. You know, we're talking all the time, it seems, about John Stones going there. That realistic? Well, yeah, I mean, City uh, have been brief on that. They're going to spend £150 million on three players. And obviously Stones is the most obvious one in that group. Um, you know, he'll, he'll want to be playing Champions League football next year after the Euros. And Everton resisted last summer. They've got a new investor. But I think City will be a more attractive proposition for Stones than Chelsea. Yeah. And I think we got a little glimpse at the weekend about Pep Guardiola. I don't know if you saw the footage. After that 0-0 draw against Dortmund, he went into Josh Kimmich, who was you know really good young defender, basically had Marco Royce in his pocket. And he absolutely went mental on it 
on the pitch. Did he? I didn't see yeah, that. Um, he's got a hard side to him, for sure. He's not just a style, mm. stylistic coach. He's got steel and he does not accept or tolerate second best. I think we know that, for, given his record and from what players that have worked with him have said. So, no, Pep Guardiola will improve City dramatically. That's why it's so important for, for Arsenal, Leicester or Spurs to take advantage because this is the year where City are poor and where they shouldn't really be in the hunt. This is the year to win the title. Well, there may be another year of opportunity because it might take him uh, another season mm. to rebuild a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> he, might, he might just spend a loads of money and it'll click right away. Yeah. What about Bilic as a, a coach? Lavin Bilic has really impressed me this season. And West Ham, it seems they're, they're in form at the right time. We're talking about potential top four and also potential FA Cup winners. You know, at the beginning of the season, everyone was worried about West Ham and Billich had come in. He had a reputation for being a bit semi-detached, you know, not a 24-7 manager. Okay. And people were going, oh, you know, it's this, this might be difficult for them. It's, he's turned out it's better than anyone could have imagined. And, um, and he's a great character. You know, it's, uh, it, it's uh, last week at his press conference, um, after the Tottenham game, someone says, you know, can you get in the top four? And he, like, sort of pulls a face and talks about it for a good, like, 10, 12 seconds and then went, don't want to think about it. And, you know, <laughs> and, and that's unusual for him because once you ask him a question, yeah. like... He just starts talking and he can't help oh, himself. He's a great he just character. he just loves football. He just he loves it. You wouldn't think he loves it from his animations during a game. He's in agony, isn't he? He's up and down. He's, but I love that. You want to? I mean, Manchester United fans would like to see a bit more of that, wouldn't they? From, yeah, yeah, from yeah. Louis, um, he lives and breathes it. But he, inside that that kind of manicness about him, he has got a real football brain, a football mind. He sees things quickly. And what I love about Billich is that he's decisive. If something isn't mm. working. He won't dither over it for 10, 15 minutes. He'll change it there and then. And, and eight times out of ten, it seems to have worked for them this year. There was a great moment against um, Tottenham when Collins had to come off. You know, so he had to put on Reese Oxford. And he had standing there in his big coat, Billich. And as Collins come off, he whipped his coat off and threw it down. And thought, he's coming on himself. <laughs> you know, it's, um, <laughs> he's just got that air of enthusiasm yeah. about him. And he knows a player. I, I, I yeah. think, you know, one of the, well, the, the hidden gems of the season has mm. been... Michael Antonio. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's someone who's come up from non-league. He's a sort of a Jamie Vardy type story, isn't it? Well, yeah, not even their owner knew, knew what he looked like um, a few months back <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with a dodgy tweet, but everybody knows who he is now. Yeah, it goes to show if you give these players a chance and don't write them off after one or two appearances, just mm. stick with a player, then they can turn it around. It, it, football's such a confidence game and some people just need a few weeks or months to to find their level and now he's comfortable with Premier League football Antonio he's powerful he's, he's clinical in front of goal and he is a major asset he, look, he's been a great find and by his own admission he needed the confidence boost of Billich taking it to one mm. side and saying look you'll be alright mm. arm around mm. the shoulder stuff yeah, without doubt, and Billich is, you know, he knows how to handle players like that. But what amazes me about West Ham is the number of attackers they are. They can, they can switch it around, change it up, they can do their approach from delicate, you know, sort of a forward play, passing the ball in, to lumping it in and causing havoc. You know, it's... I tell you who's been important for them. He doesn't get a lot of credit, Coyote. Mm. He is a, he's an all-rounder. He, he, he can sit in that midfield, yeah. he can be a box-to-box -box if you need him to be. And he's also been a centre-back lately and hardly put a foot wrong. Having guys like that, I think, allows Billings yeah. to have an extra attacker on the pitch because you can trust Coyote. I think Coyote, he wouldn't look out of place in any team at the mm. moment, as would a number of the Hammers players, yeah. really. So, given all that, they've got to be favourites against Manchester United in the FA Cup, haven't they? 
<laughs> well, I'm still going to Old Trafford, and you know it's um, yeah, they're going to be favourites. <laughs> I'm glad you saw sense. Yeah, you know, let, you know and let's hope so. You know, I mean, oh. it, it's um, you know, again, another thing I'd hate to see. I'd hate to see Van Gaal picking up a trophy just because he's got lucky and played the kids out of desperation. You know, it'd be quite nice to see someone like West Ham win the cup. And do you think they've got that chance? I do. Yeah, why not? I think tactically, we've talked about Bilic and how strong he can be. And you need a bit of that now. So you need to think on your feet in cup ties where, where things can change very quickly. So I could see West Ham, if they can get past Man U, then obviously they can win it because they'll be in the last four and, and potentially they could get a good draw. So, yeah, West Ham or Palace are, are live threats this season as underdogs, I'd, I'd say. Um, and, yeah, it would be good to see it, but I'm, obviously I'm biased. I'm looking for an Arsenal uh, three in a row. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, bad loss for Manchester United at, at West Brom. You know, another one of a typical silly red card that we had a few of this weekend. They've really got their season on the line, it seems to me, when they're playing Liverpool in that two-legged Europa Cup tight. That is a game they cannot afford to lose. Oh yeah, in many ways. It's you know, while it could, it could be the tie that saves Van Hurl's Man United career, it's also you know, it's it's hospital pass. And, and the same for <laughs> Liverpool as well. Do you think if they win the Europa League that he'll keep his job then next year? Yeah, I think he Do will. You? I think Ed was was so uh, confused by events, let's say. <laughs> that he probably was. Um, you know, but I mean, which, whichever way this this tie ends up, the losers' season will be. You know, will have just seemed like a crushingly bad one. And, you know, the, the, it's a festival of hate over two legs. <laughs> you gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> and are Liverpool up for that? Um, they should be. They got lucky, I thought, against Crystal Palace. They didn't play especially well, um, and they didn't do very well, did they? Against Manchester United in in the league game or either league game, actually, Martial caused them a lot of problems. Uh, Matter too has got a good record in, the, in this fixture. So no, I wouldn't. I would probably make Man United favourites over the two legs, just because they're a bit more solid. You just don't know what you're going to get with Liverpool at the moment. Mm. It could be your three 0 against mm. City, where they're in blistering form, or they could be a complete mess. Well, you do know what you're going to get with Liverpool. It's carnage at set pieces, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I mean, any 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 free kicks or corners, the opposition celebrate like they've scored. <laughs> um, you know, against Palace, you know there was three of them. That, that obviously the goal yeah. which um you know Firmino scored Firmino scores at the other end well by god you know what he didn't want to charge down that ball mm. you know in his own area mm. he, he he was having none of that uh, but you know they also had um Scott Dan won an uncontested header from a free kick oh. and then added by Oritz the bar um they need to get more organised. I asked Klopp about it and he said, well, no, he says, you know, they, they only scored one and we've been worse. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's all right then. You know, I think this is a massive test, actually, for Jurgen Klopp. He's had one look at Manchester United in this fixture already. Didn't really get it right, if truth be told. His team were quite flat that day. The performance was, was well below par. Can he change things up? Has he seen something? Uh, I think we'll find out a lot about him as a tactician because these two-legged affairs, I think, the managers actually have a bigger role to play in, than in a one-off cup tie. You know what, he denied it uh, after the Palace game that he had one eye on the United. But, you know, leaving Sturridge and Coutinho yeah. on the bench, you know, that, that, that suggests that you're thinking, oh, you know, I know what's important. Mm. So I'm expecting a huge performance from Klopp. You're what, let's say, a keen student of that football club, Tony, <laughs> yeah. you know, over many years. Yeah. What's your feeling about Klopp? Well... You've got to give him a bit of time. But I expected a bit more 
from him in the early years. I expected him to take Brendan Rodgers, the, 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 the players who'd worked under Brendan Rodgers, and expected them to improve them, because that's what you expect better coaches to do. Than, and they haven't really improved. They've had high spots where they've, you know, the, the blown City away, the, the Southampton, mm. you know, and all that. And then they've been so flat on other occasions. And they got very lucky against Palace. Uh, they, you know, so the Palace lost conviction and dropped too deep. The, 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 the forwards never squeezed Liverpool and they invited them in. They, I mean, it might be Klopp's new tactic is to uh, is to get play with ten men, get rid of his highest paid player, James Milner, <laughs> and they was they were significantly better then. But it, it, in all seriousness, I think we need to see more signs of his ability. What about in hindsight again? You know, they didn't put John Flanagan into the Euro Europa League squad because he was considered to be too bad injured at that time, or, or would take too long to come back. He, to me, is the sort of heartbeat of a traditional Anfield player. Local lad, likes a tackle, very bright as well. I think he is a proper old-fashioned defender, and he's one of my favourite defenders. If I was a manager, I would have a full-back like him in my mm. team because he just loves defending, and the modern full-backs don't particularly like defending, which I just find remarkable. I think he's great. He, he's going to make a big difference to Liverpool now that he's fully fit again because their defence has been, has been woeful this yeah. year. And obviously, Moreno isn't the best defender on the other side. So with Flanagan, it kind of balances it out. You can even shift it across to make it a back three of sorts when he's there because he can play mm. centre-back as well. He's come back in the nick of time and I th I've got a well, I've got a feeling that Klopp really likes it. Yeah, I, I, think, I think putting them in the Europa League squads would have been too soon. I mean, Adebayor went across to him yesterday, and in the first 20 minutes, basically, Adebayor was brilliant and mm. um, put him under a lot of pressure. He'd come off early, so you suspect he's not back to his, uh, his best. So maybe it's just as well he's not thrown into a game like Man United, because as well, he, you know, he might have that. You know, we've seen it from Steven Gerrard, you know, the, the mentality, it's United. Yeah, get in there. Yeah. You know, and, and let's face it, you know, every Scouser's dream is to score against Man United. Every Scouser's second favourite dream is to get sent off against them. <laughs> <laughs> right, and it's really it's a strange week because actually the Champions League tie, yeah. you know, is a great tie, Chelsea against PSG, but it's almost taken second billing. Yeah. <laughs> now you've got David Luiz saying, I'm going to war. Now I'd love a, I'd love a night out with him because he seems to be a bundle of fun, let's put it like that. Are Chelsea gonna lose out again against PSG? I, I, I don't fancy them, I've got to say. John Terry looks like he's going to miss out, which I think yeah. is critical for them. Look, I think it's six games, six or seven, well, since they kept a clean sheet. Chelsea, can they really keep out PSG, their strike force, at Stamford Bridge in this one without John Terry? I think that is the big stumbling block. Um, I see maybe both teams scoring, but, but ultimately PSG progressing because PSG are the better side. I think it's all about Hazard and Costa. Okay. If Chelsea need to score. As you say, they're not going to keep PSG out, so they need to get goals. Um, you know, Now it's time for Hazard to step up and yes. prove he's a top-class player on the European stage. Um, you know, Costa's looked, looked revived, let's say, oh. since Mourinho went. It's a strange one, that, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you know what? One of the things that this Chelsea squad, there's plenty in them who'd love to emulate the sort of Di Matteo year, you know, when the caretaker manager goes on and wins the Champions League, because they'd love to give a big two fingers up to Mourinho. Mm. <laughs> let's look now and probably in, intrude in private grief. Mm. The North East... Oh. Relegation. Okay. Now, that's not know, grief. That's comedy. <laughs> you know, we're here now on Monday. We're not quite sure what's going to happen with Stephen Claren. You don't have to be a genius to work out that he's 
probably going to get replaced. Mm. If he does go, mm. David Moyes, Nigel Pearson, the two front runners. Yeah. Who would you consider? Oh, it's a, it's it's a tough one. I think if if either was to turn it down, where where what job are they holding they out? They won't for? turn it down. I don't think so. No, I think. Both would be a fairly safe pair of hands, to be perfectly honest. I, I think David Moyes is a, is, a, is a very good manager, very astute. The problem is that, that they're not safe. They are probably... Well, they've got a very, very good chance of going down this season. So you've maybe got to look at who can bring them up and then you would probably veer towards Nigel Pearson because, A, I think he would love to manage a club like Newcastle and, B, I, I would fancy him to bring them straight back up because he's sought out that defence and that defence is what will cost Newcastle if they do succumb. Yeah, basically it's a four-team league, isn't it? Yeah. And if you look at Newcastle's fixtures, they've got Leicester next, but then Sunderland in mm. the derby and Norwich. Their yeah. fate's going to be sealed one way or the other, isn't the, They're the relegation playoffs for Newcastle. I mean, the, the, the problem is, for anyone taking over that job, it, it's almost impossible. You know, you can't win at Newcastle, no matter who you are. You know, if, if, if you sent in Guardiola, he'd struggle with the way the set-up's there. Well, you know, so that, uh, managers well, it's, have it's no choice over players. It's dysfunctional, isn't it? You know, the, the yeah, whole management no You know, Graham Kerr's... Um, as, as Marseille over the recruitment and some of his choices are funnier than his son mm. um, you know uh, and, and, and there's, there's a mentality there they don't want to win mm. what they want to do the, the idea is to finish about 10th in the Premier League every year pocket the money if any players are successful sell them on mm. don't want to win the FA Cup don't want to win any Cups and, and that catches up with you. Yeah. And manager after manager, you know, I had some sympathy with Purdue. I have some sympathy with McLaren. You cannot win there. It's a most dysfunctional I think you can. Club. I think you can win if you, if, you, if you start from the back. Just start. Most teams that survive start with a oh, solid defence. That's the Sam Allardyce way of thinking. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're applying the sort of rational sense it to it. Yeah. You know, it's like there is no sense at that club. No, it's a madhouse. It might be. Yeah, it is a madhouse, but it requires a very astute coaching, somebody to, to get that team playing as a team and that is the problem they've got great individuals going forward but not enough organization without the ball right. if we take as red that Aston Villa are going down mm. it looks like Norwich is sleepwalking with them to mm. go down as well Sunderland have they got enough about them to stay up um, well, I mean, they've got Allardyce, and he is a great organiser. And even in games they've lost, like at Chelsea, when, you know, when they were three 0 down, they got themselves organised and played quite well. Too late. Um, I think if they stay, stay up, it'll be by dint of Newcastle and Norwich's failings rather than their own uh, abilities. Mm. So let's finish with happy thoughts. Okay, <laughs> who's going to win the title? Well, the happiest thought of me for me would be Arsenal winning the title, but I can't sit here and say with any certainty that's going to happen anymore. It's a big, big gap. So give me a tenner. I'm sticking it on Leicester right now. Tony? Leicester? You know, I mean, you know, it would be the greatest story in Premier League history, and that's all that happens. Well, a week ago, I would have said Spurs, but now I'm a believer. Leicester for the title. Thanks for joining us here on Life's a Pitch. up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.